0: Greetings all you gore hounds out there in podcast land. This is cult film actor Jim O'Rear. And when I'm not busy working with George Romero, Chuck Norris, or Robert England, I'm listening to The Rants from the Black
1: Lodge podcast. <laughs>
0: Reporting live from the Black Lodge, it's me, the free will burning head-turning-ass-kicking, machismo-dripping, master podcast and mouthpiece of the Southeast. Brandon A. Lane bringing you a new edition of the Rants from the Black Lodge podcast. Happy 2019, everybody. We have a lot of great things in store for the coming year, but before we look into the future, I can't help but reflect on the past. 2018 was a better year for this show, from all the people working behind the scenes to all the people listening out in front, to the multitudes of people lining up to get on the show, interviews and such, and the gentleman you heard at the top of this episode, special shout-out to Mr. Jim O'Rear, who has a role in the film we're going to be tackling tonight, George A. Romero's 1985 zombie classic, Day of the Dead. So stay tuned, Uh, fucking Judd and I are going to be singing its praises in more ways than one. However, speaking of singing of praises, I have to sing the praises of somebody who just gave this podcast a huge seal of approval, uh, a gentleman by the name of Lee McCoy. If you do not know who Lee McCoy is, Lee McCoy runs a YouTube channel that is <laughs> it's shot through the stratosphere over the past year. Uh, they have way more uh, subscribers than we do, and... It is not without its merit. Every one of those subscriptions has been earned because he produces quality content. If you like what we do here, you will love what he does there. So, I want you to drop everything. Go right now. YouTube, Drum Dums, subscribe, comment, like, click the little notification bell so you don't fall between the cracks. Plus, go to uh, Facebook, find him on there. Give him a like. Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, uh, Stardust app, at Drum All those things, you just add a slash in Drum Dums, you're going to find him. How this all came about. I am always looking for opportunities to promote the podcast. And, you know, I love his show. So I ring him up. When I say ring him up, I send him a message through Facebook. And I'm like, listen... I want to pay you to promote us. You know, shout us out on an episode, and we'll give you some money. You know, a lot of YouTubers take ad revenue. So I'm thinking, this is going to be right up his alley. Well, Lee has integrity, and that's something that's probably lacking in a good deal of YouTubers. And I can't thank him enough for his response. He was like, no, I won't take your money. However, I will listen to your podcast and if I enjoy it, I will give it a shout out for free. My jaw hit the fucking floor. So Lee, I, I number one, thanks for liking our show. Second, thank you for promoting our show. And thirds, thirds, that's not a word. Thirdly, that's not a word either. Finally, <laughs> thank you for producing content that keeps me entertained on a daily basis. So everybody go find him. And when we come back, uh, fucking Judd Kelly and I will be tackling the movie I talked about earlier, the zombie classic Day of the Dead. But first, here's a few messages from our sponsors.
1: Next Generation Wrestling brings some of the most talked about and star-studded professional wrestlers from around the world. Based out of East Tennessee, NGW is becoming one of the most sought-after independent wrestling promotions in the past four years. Witness NGW Live or On Demand on the High Spots Wrestling Network streaming app. Follow us on social media platforms at NextGenTN. He
0: did a
1: They did the monster mash. That's
0: such a bash.
1: It was a graveyard smash. Something
0: podcast.
1: Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Welcome to our uh, Day of the Dead commentary track, sitting to my left, making his return to the Black Lodge after a, uh, well, not a too lengthy absence. Uh, your last appearance was, what, um, two months ago? Two months ago, yeah. Back on the Ghoulies episode. Uh, sitting to my left, the one and only Mr. Fucking Judd Kelly. Hey. All right, ladies and gentlemen. If you're going to uh, be watching this along with us, uh, pop in your DVD, LaserDisc, VHS, digital copy, whatever have you, of Day of the Dead from 1985. You're gonna cue it up to the uh, start of the first scene. It's gonna be Sarah sitting in a white room. So, if you want to watch along, by all means, do so. It's always nice to have a visual aid with our running nonsensical commentary. But if you want to just listen along, uh, it's your life. You do whatever you want to do. We'll be here with you. We'll. We're here with you till the end. All right, I'm going to count down from three. When I say hit play, you hit play. It's as simple as that. Three, two, one, play. Dawn of the Dead was released in July 21st, 1985. It had a budget of three million five hundred thousand uh, dollars. Its box office at the end uh, ended up just short of six million at uh, five hundred eight hundred four thousand two hundred sixty two dollars. Uh, some of the Reason this movie was not as successful as it could have been was that it was released unrated. Now, Judd, in your lifetime, how many movies can you think that were released in theaters unrated? I can't think of any. Well, there's a good reason for that. There, there have been next to none uh, in my lifetime. There's Day of the Dead, and then several years later, uh, you had the uh, sequel. Uh, I can't talk. The sequel to Hatchet, released mm-hmm. uh, directed by Adam Green. It was released unrated, and it was a big controversial deal. I mean, they, they put a big promotional push behind it because it was a big deal that they hadn't done this in so An long. unrated movie. But uh, AMC theaters got really, really uh, trepidatious about it, and mm. they pulled it from the theaters, and it's a, it's a whole big deal. Now, the reason you don't have underrated movies, aside from the MPAA, which is a big pile of horse shit to begin <laughs> with, uh, is a lot of places will not let you advertise in like a periodical like newspapers, magazines. And I'm not talking about like horror hound or fangoria. Yeah. I'm talking about mainstream magazines. They won't allow you to promote something because in their mind, I mean this is tandem amount to like just pornography. S- snuff film. Yeah. Ah. Um this that, movie? That makes sense. Originally had the scope it was going to be what George Romero
1: stated as his Gone with the Wind of zombie movies. The western Gone with the Wind? The western Gone uh, with the Wind? That's like, I mean the western movie Gone with the Wind but with zombie ah, alright I the, see it. Wait, wait, wait. wait. The, wait tell me, when, the Gone the the with the Wind takes place in the west. I mean It takes place in Georgia. Which is West Georgia, yeah. No! In Georgia! <laughs> George is, a, I don't think George I've is seen in the, the east. I think I've seen the whole Gone with the Wind. Then I'm sorry. Okay, go.
0: <laughs> I think you're really confused on
1: what Gone a, with the Wind I must is. Be. Gone with the Wind
0: <laughs> is is uh, Rhett Butler, and he's got that classic line where, you frankly, know, I don't give a damn. Yeah, yeah, Scarlett,
1: I don't give a damn. I, I must have not. I must have be confusing it with another movie. Clark,
0: Clark Gable and his giant uh, Mickey Mouse ears. Got a, his uh, his I, pedophile mustache.
1: Definitely, definitely nothing. So. Well.
0: Maybe maybe you need to. to I'm gonna seek watch out. it.
1: I'm gonna watch Gone with the Wind right now, but with zombies. <laughs> so I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm good.
0: Well, unfortunately, due to the conditions uh, of this movie being released unrated, uh, the people who were funding, you know, the, the backing it, uh, its budget had to be cut. And now I don't know this 100, but I but I've heard it estimated that it was originally going to be around. Uh, six million. Mm. Uh, like I said, it took in almost six million at the box office, uh, just short of that. Um, so technically, this movie did turn a profit, but when you take into consideration all of the advertising cost and things like that, which was probably lower on this movie because they couldn't advertise it a lot of places, they just about broke even. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has this movie at 82% with an audience score of 75%. Um, It's rated a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb. When this movie came out, it was not super well received. It's one that over time people have kind of come to embrace as being either as good as the other two or their all-out favorite. Yeah. Now, because you kind of hopped on the podcast last minute, um, you didn't have a chance to, to see this movie, and you know we we're kind of he and I just uh, he and I being Judd, uh, we just ate at a A and W before we started recording, and we we're kind of talking about you know what this movie was about, and you had sort of misremembered some things, uh, so you're couple, not sure if you've seen this zombie movie.
1: Movies mixed up, yeah.
0: So you're not entirely sure if you've seen this
1: movie or not. No, yeah, I'm not sure at all. I've seen a, a lot of zombie movies, but I'm, I'm not seeing a, a lot of familiar, all right, familiar well, things right now. At, at, at some points, I'll be uh, probably asking you, like,
0: your, you know, what do you think about that. How's this movie? I'm down you, for that. You liking this? It's got a you, fresh, liking when, you like Fresh perspective. When, you like it when that's the zombie that gets uh, eaten or <laughs> eats somebody. This zombie right here is one of the most legendary zombies uh, ever laid to celluloid. Um, he was codenamed Doctor Tongue because of <laughs> his giant tongues uh, slumping out of his no jaw. That uh, zombie has been immortalized as is Bub, who you'll see later on in the film mm-hmm. in uh in mask by Trick or Treat Studios. Uh, they're they're masked. Productioning. Uh, they make masks. They make masks, but uh, they license a lot of things from The Walking Dead, this movie, uh, they have the, the rights to Halloween uh, for. By, by the way, it's just, that alligator you it's just, just saw, the uh, the mouth was taped up on it because right. they didn't want the the alligator eating the zombies. <laughs> the actor. That's Why put an alligator?
1: Like, you don't need an alligator. There's zombies walking around.
0: This scene right here, uh, you know, the uh, sort of abandoned looking. Hellscape of a city that was filmed in Fort Myers, Florida. All right. uh, later on, they're going to go to a compound, uh, and that's in Bowman's Beach Helistop in Sanibel, Florida. Uh, it's kind of like a, like I think it's like a helicopter rental place, and it's a lot of they, space,
1: not a lot of people.
0: Well, yeah, they just they used it for the aesthetic and all the underground scenes, which a good majority of the movie is going to take place. That was filmed in Wampum, Pennsylvania. That's not much of a stretch to understand why George Romero, being from Pennsylvania, a lot of his movies were shot in Pittsburgh and the surrounding areas. Yeah. So, when you see all these palm trees, uh, it's pretty evident they're not in Pennsylvania. (laughs) Pennsylvania. (laughs) Uh, This movie, like I said before, was directed by George Romero. Uh, He unfortunately passed away uh, July 16th of 2017. One of the great auteurs of this genre, the Godfather of, of
1: zombie of zombie movies. Well, of the, as
0: far as modern zombie movies go, I mean he he created it so much so that when they made Night of the Living Dead, and I guess it was shot in '67 and released in '68, they didn't even they weren't even referred to as zombies. So he referred to them as ghouls, which is like an old Universal Pictures idea of like a flesh eating uh,
1: cemetery creature, dwelling. yeah. From when, there it's just it's just branched out to to all these different different types of zombie movies different types of zombies well I think
0: every every zombie movie has something to owe to to night of the living Dead and as far as uh special effects go, even though like they've they've casually like upped from each one you know they they're pretty minimal in in night of the living Dead. And I love Dawn of the Dead, but the makeup in that movie—it it has its moments, but uh, they're really they, you could, the budget was very evident. Like, okay, let's just paint this dude like a bluish, a bluish gray, and call it a day. This movie, they they went entirely balls to the wall. And if this movie were nothing but just a, a special effects extravaganza, I think it would be still well-known, yeah. but I have to say uh, when I was preparing to do this podcast, which those of you who've listened to the podcast for any length of time know, we were supposed to do this episode much sooner than we ended up doing it, but uh, because of schedule conflicts, we're doing it here in January. All the better, because I've had more time to put effort into this than I would have normally, but I had this sort of knot in my stomach about watching it. And it wasn't that I dislike this movie or this movie is bad, but this movie has such a downer tone that I just, I didn't want it to like, to put me in a bad mood. So I kept putting it off and putting it off. The other day at work, which, you know, this time of year, we're recording this in December, uh, for January, but we're like right before Christmas and it's kind of slow. So I take my laptop with me and I'm like, well, I'll, I'll watch it at work. I'm already depressed. So this will, this will push might me well, over the might edge. Might as well be paid to
1: be depressed. Exactly, exactly.
0: Um, and I, I was so engaged by this movie. Like, I'll, I'll do this at work a lot, especially when it's slow. It's just every five minutes, me looking at the clock, me, you know, and like, <laughs> God, time is, and I, this movie flew by so fast, but, it it hit me really hard. The, the generality of this movie is that there is a perimeter, and you have your military, you have your scientists, and you have your civilians kind of all entangled in this situation where they don't want these outsiders to come in. And what's going on right now? Build that wall!
1: <laughs> so... This movie's about immigration.
0: Well, I—I I mean, I think you can look into it in, in that terms. I—I'm going to use a music analogy here. I'm a—I'm right. a huge Ronnie James Dio fan. He's—he was my favorite, you know, rock singer um, next to Glenn Hughes of you know Deep Purple and other other great bands. But he's all, my all-time favorite lyricist, and he had a way of using metaphor and. Um, Writing about things where he's telling a story, but he's left it open enough to where you can sort of personify yourself onto those lyrics. Now, my long-winded explanation is, like, when I watched this movie, I was able to apply it to a lot of things that are happening and hand-happened in the world. These characters, I I think they're, they're all kind of archetypes for different types of personalities. Now, I guess maybe you could use the, you could call them stereotypes Mm. and use that as a negative. But to me, I I saw this as sort of like a reflection of the types of people that are going to be, you know, either idle or vocal in any given scenario. Everybody plays a part. Everybody plays a part. And you get to see, I'm going to make an analogy right here. Um, I stayed up late last night and this was kind of like bouncing around in my head. You have, you have your scientist, you have your civilians, and then you have your military. It's sort of like an Oreo cookie. You have your c- civilians in the middle. They're, you know, they're the cream filling. They're what you want to get to. That's the good part. All right. And then you've got those two chocolate cookies on the outside, which, I mean, on their own, they're okay, but you know, you want them all together. Um, this analogy is going off the fucking rails because I'm getting hungry for cookies. <laughs> the, the military, they, their viewpoint is that we have to kill these things so we can survive. The viewpoint of the scientist is that we have to domesticate these things to survive. The people in the middle understand that you, the, Regardless of them being undead, there are traces of humanity left Not in them, too. as evident later on by Bub. Mm-hmm. But they are also smart enough to realize that these things are going to kill us if we don't
1: kill them first. Kill yeah. them, you it's know. Right, if if, if, if we don't protect ourselves, right. I mean,
0: your instincts are always left. But you have these two. You have these two polar opposites. Um, they both. Want I guess in, in the same things they both want to be safe, but uh, they're both amoral about it. And you have that middling moral compass of the civilians, of knowing that like it's things aren't always black and white. I know an Oreo is, but that's it's besides a, the it's just a point. It's just it's just a an big Oreo commercial, just, isn't it? Like, <laughs> send us some Oreos. Friends from the Black Lodge podcast loves Oreos. More of a chips ahoy guy actually, but Oreos are good. Those too.
1: fighting words right there.
0: Oh, you, why you prefer Oreos? <laughs> no,
1: but Oreos, they're never going to send you free Oreos oh. if you think like chips ahoy. Oh, well, they're never going to hear this. And if they do, <laughs> fuck Oreos. <laughs> it's Milk's favorite cookie right there. <laughs> is, that, that is their, uh,
0: their slogan. not take it?
1: milk? That's not fair. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're, we're on a tangent that's, already.
0: That's fine. That's fine. A uh, uh, good little side tangent is always, always welcome on this podcast. The point I, I'm trying to make long winded as it may be is when I, when I reflected on this movie, it, it it really grabbed me in how simple the story is, but how reflective two sides of a coin can be. Like both people think they're right. And, and, and they'll use their moral, moral justification uh, sometimes to, to a negative end. Mm. And that's what I really took away from this movie. But let's talk a little bit about these, these characters individually. Um playing the role of Sarah, we have Lori Cardill. I mean, you see her with her mining hat on right here. Uh she she doesn't have a, a ton of acting credits, mm. which is sad because after watching this movie i I didn't understand like how she did not have a longer career she's so believable in this movie like her her fear is genuine there uh she she's in a relationship with uh Salazar the uh one of the well there he is with the Cuban the Cuban looking gentleman yes and there's a part later on where he he's he's full-on like suffering from PTSD like yeah. he he's got it He's seen he, some things. He's seen some shit that'll turn you white. Ghostbusters reference. Um, but he, uh, he slaps her and, and of course, I mean, like, she's really emotional about this, but she forgives him because she knows, like, he's, the, the state he's in is just like, he, he's almost been demoralized by the situation he's been put in. So her portrayal of it, I was just so taken back. Um, she kind of reminded me of Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, hmm. and what I mean by that is she's vulnerable without being weak.
1: She finds her she finds herself in a situation that that presented itself to her. Well, yeah, I mean, she I, didn't go looking for problems. Problems found her, but she's strong enough <laughs> to treat them.
0: True death. True that. I think, but it's a I think it's a fine line in movies for to write a strong female character that, because. Sometimes when people write that, it comes off as just, well, I'm a bitch. Yeah. That's that's how they know to write a, a strong female character. And I, I, I've always been a fan of how Carpenter uh, uh, would write female characters and that they were, He, I know there are no female characters in the thing, but all of the characters in that movie, and, and Ridley Scott's Alien, they were all written as non-gendered. Um, that way, when it was cast, if a man was right for the part or a woman was right for the part, that's smart, it, yeah. So I don't know or it if finds its
1: actor, yeah,
0: I, and I don't know necessarily that that's the case with this movie, but her character is not written in a like I'm, I'm the damsel in distress. I'm the, you know, mm. I have to be saved. She plays her part so. You, sympathetically, but she's not weak, and mm-hmm. that's just not an easy thing to write. Or at least, it's something that's not generally written <laughs> written in movies. Um, are you familiar with uh, who did the special effects in this movie, Mr. Tom Kelly? Savini? Tom Savini, the or great, Tom. great Tom Savini. Um, I could go on all day long uh, of his accomplishments uh, from you know Friday Thirteenth and Dawn of the Dead, but I, I think this is his
1: a swan song. Legend in the legend in the special effects departments.
0: I mean, he's he's retired now. He, he has a. Yeah, he has is this a, his last movie. He did no, 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 no. He he did he did a few this after is this his giant, but this go all out one more time. This is his. I mean, as far as zombie movies go, I don't know that there's anything that touches the special effects in this movie. This is his
1: magnum opus. This is his
0: magnum opus. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> um,
0: Tom Savini did special effects. I'm just gonna run through these really quick. Uh, Alone in the Dark, and that's the movie from the early '80s with Dwight Schultz. Not the not the mm-hmm. terrible uh, movie with uh, I think it was Uwe Bowl made. Uh the Chainsaw master 2, super unrated. Uh super underrated. Also super unrated. <laughs> if you watch the right <laughs> version. Uh, Invasion USA with Chuck Fucking Norris, Maniac, uh, Dawn of the Dead, Friday the 13th, uh, and Friday the 13th, the final chapter, The Burning, the Prowler, and personal favorite uh Creep Show. He won uh the uh, Saturn Award for best makeup effects in this movie. And I think it was well deserved. I, I can't really think off the top of my head of what else came out in '85. Maybe Reanimator and one or two other other things, but I, th- this movie stands heads and tails above anything else that came out around that time. Mm. Um, he's also been had a quite the career as an actor. It's kind of a shame that he's not in this movie because he has a cameo in Dawn of the Dead, uh, but he played in. Uh, Dawn of the Dead, which I just mentioned, uh, Maniac, Creepshow 1 and 2, Innocent Blood. He was, he was in, from Dust till dawn. Yes, and as uh, Sex Machine. Sex Machine. Sex Machine. <laughs> Sex Machine. Planet Terror, uh, Machete, uh, and more recently, Django Unchained. Um, what's everybody's fascination with Sex Machine?
1: <laughs> uh, the name itself just carries over. It's that mustache. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's always got to be the facial hair. He does. He does have a, uh, he's got a, a pretty very, nice goatee. Yeah, he's he's got a it's very uh,
0: u- universally uh, loved when book. you when you see him, you know who he is. Yeah, That's... yeah, you're you're not gonna mistake him for somebody else unless you see uh, Tasso Stravakis, who also worked on this movie. They're uh, collaborators. He's a Greek Greek fellow, and uh, they they look very similar. <laughs> so so. Uh, if you, uh, if you see a guy Whatever. and you're like, hey, are you Thomas Savini? And he's like, no, <laughs> but you're sure he is, it's probably Tasso Savakas. <laughs> Good to know. Um, Howard Berger and uh, Greg Nicotero of K&B FX. They, this is one of their early films. This is before K&B were actually formed. But you'll see, uh, i like to see Greg Nicotero. He plays a really, really small role in this film. Actually, maybe sitting here at the table,
1: you just don't know. He plays. He
0: plays Johnson. I need to go to a reverse shot. I can tell you, but he he was super young. No, I don't think he's in this shot. He's probably later on. This is
1: the start of his when he started out, or this is how far along in his career was he during this movie when he was acting? Well, I mean, like
0: the only reason he's even acting in this movie is just because filler. Yeah, because they Uh, needed. You know, it was just like, hey, you're on the crew. Like we'll put you in a scene, you know. It's cheaper to. to do we're, already, we're already paying you for one thing. Let's let's double up. That's fair. Makes sense. But yeah, he's a he's he's a fresh faced pup. He's a commando.
1: He's a soldier. He's ready to fight.
0: <laughs> so, um, Joe Pilotto here, who playing Rhodes, uh, another really strong performance. Well. I would say that. Uh, a lot of people argue that his performance is a little hammy, a little over the top. And maybe if he, if he played it a little more subtly, that whole thing I was saying about the flip side of the coin mm-hmm. would probably be a little more evident, but he, he's definitely painted himself into the full on of the role of the villain that you, you can't help, but like just want to see this motherfucker get tore apart. Spoiler alert. He does. <laughs> But he, he's had a, a fairly decent uh, career outside of this film. He, he was in Gung Ho uh, with uh, Michael Keaton. Really good movie. Mm. Uh, he was in Dawn of the Dead, Night Riders, Small roles. Uh, he was in Wishmaster. And uh, I'll, I'll bring this point up again just because uh, when I met Andrew DeVoff, he was a dick to me. Fuck you, Andrew DeVoff. <laughs> asshole is one of the few people I've met uh, in the horror world that was a straight up dick to me, so fuck you, Andrew Debuff. Uh he was in Digimon the movie and in the series. Were you a Digimon fan
1: growing <laughs> no, up? No, I was not a Digimon fan growing up. You were a Pokemon I fan I like Pokemon though yeah. I well, so, like Pokemon.
0: well educate me. What the fuck is the difference? Because right. I'm an old fart. I don't know I don't uh, know what the
1: Pokemons and Digimon from what I could tell, Digimon are digital monsters. Uh, they come from technology or some some shit like that. And then uh Pokemon are, are just like it's like you go outside, and you catch a squirrel, and then you battle your squirrel with somebody else's like dragon. Alright, well
0: how so... how is how is that not um Animal cruelty, having your animals fight each other. Why is it? Why is it illegal? Is why is cockfighting
1: illegal, but it's it's legal to fight your your adorable monsters against one another because they have special abilities to fight. I have no idea. I Never got into that. I was a child. I just liked watching it. It was colorful and, okay, and right. friendly. I, I, quit ruining I, my childhood. I know.
0: I, I, I a lot of my friends yeah. are Pokemon fans, and I and I've asked this question to all of them, and no one can explain to me. Why? <laughs> why do you like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Okay, well, because there is there is a purpose because they're fighting in opposition. They're they're trying to stop evil Pokemon. Why do I have to catch them all? <laughs> why do I have to fight them against each other? Answer the goddamn question, Judd. I would have to make a couple calls. I don't know.
1: Well, fucking,
0: don't phone who, a, fucking phone, fucking phone a friend and get back to me on this because I don't understand Pokemon. <laughs>
1: You got me. I have no idea. Like I said, it's just a childhood thing. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> well, if it's a, if it's just a childhood thing, I can let that slide. But why are
0: there so many adults playing Pokemon?
1: I don't. know. It's just one of those things. Everybody's doing it nowadays. Everybody's like. doing it. Well, I see. Is it like the marijuana of cartoons? Like, you show up. Oh, all the kids are doing this. at all play. I don't know what that is, but I'm going to catch it. And it's I don't catch them all. It's gotten out of it's gotten out of hand, but. The true fans will... Listen, I'm
0: not hating on it. I just don't understand understand. it. I I, I don't understand it.
1: I mean, I've never been asked that before. I don't know. When you find out why I have to catch them all, (laughs) fucking let me know. Because it's a great tagline. It sells merchandise. That's why.
0: Okay, well, that's maybe the most uh, honest (laughs) answer anybody has given me in this. Um, Playing, uh, we have here on on screen when it cuts back to the reverse shot... Stop talking.
1: Get, get off fucking Lori Cardell, so I can. So She's mad. We get it. She's wearing a flannel shirt. <laughs> Some reason she has makeup on. Oh, fuck it. While, while, while on. it's
0: uh, while it's showing her, I'm going I'm to make a point. Um, she uh she was in Ryan's Hope, uh, The Equalizer, Boom, uh, Tales from the Dark Side, uh. And I, and I made this note because this is the weirdest collection of actors in a movie. She was in a movie called Dead or Alive, The Race for Gus France, or Farkas, or uh, my camera, my notes are, it does not important. Um, but this movie has Tony Danza. Mm. Ted oh, Levine, who was Buffalo Bill yeah, in *Silence of the Lambs*, and Samuel L. Jackson.
1: How do you, how do those people end up in the same movie together? This guy was telling a joke like, "Dude, if we made a movie, who would we pick?" He just picked these random actors, and he said, let's Dude, make it were, it were, they, "Were they
0: in a hat?" And they're like, <laughs> oh, well, Ted out. Levine
1: and Samuel L. Jackson. Let's make this fucking movie. It's <laughs> about
0: right. Uh, she she was sort of predestined to be in uh, this movie, or like in, in a. Uh, uh, Romero zombie movie her father Bill Cardell, was the reporter in Night of the Living Dead the original from 68 and uh, her daughter has gone on to have a somewhat successful acting career her name is Kate Rogel the uh, uh, the flip side to Rhodes his polar opposite but also uh, probably just as dangerous Um, we have uh, my notes here We have uh, Richard Liberty playing the role of Logan, who uh, they call Frankenstein because of his experimentations on all of these zombies. And he's going to put that one to sleep. Yep, right in the brain. Um, He unfortunately passed away at the age of 68 on October 2nd of 2000. When I was a kid and I had this movie on VHS, Mm -hmm. I had convinced myself that he was George Romero. (laughs) Because I had seen... uh, God, I can't remember what the... It was like the... It was a a horror anthology thing hosted by Stephen King. Uh, It was like the history of horror kind of thing on A&E. And they had this segment with George Romero. And I just remember George Romero being this old dumpy dude with gigantic thick glasses. And I had convinced myself that Frankenstein was... George Romero, and once I found out it wasn't, I was really kind of heartbroken
1: about that. I but, always thought that, uh, and Shaun of the Dead, Edgar Wright, yeah, that uh, Nick Frost was Edgar Wright, his name was Ed, so I'm thinking, okay, this guy's the director, and he's acting, he can do anything, and then I didn't come find out he wasn't, and I was sad. But I was alright with it, because, you know, it is what it is.
0: I We had a good conversation about Shaun of the Dead. Where, where do you think Shaun of the Dead stacks up against the, the greatest of all of of zombie Zombie movies
1: I mean it's more of a comedy yeah but it's still it's still a great zombie zombie movie movie. I mean there's different types of zombies there's the slow ones there's the you know the rage zombies there's the the, the decrepit slow walkers there's you know ones that only eat brains ones that only eat flesh and uh, there's Greg Nicotero Um, yeah yes from it, I think I think it holds its own. It doesn't really go in depth into what's going on, but you, you kind of know what a zombie movie is and and what's going. That you know you know they're dangerous and to stay away from them and and all that. You don't have to have to get into a lot of stuff with it. It's very simple to watch if you've never seen a zombie movie before well, and you want a quick laugh. I
0: I think zombie movies are uh, they're they're continually made because it is an easy premise to tell. The dead rise from the grave. They want to eat your flesh or Hit them in the your brains. You know, yeah. Put them. In, yeah, put a bullet in their head. Remove the head from their body and go on with Move your the
1: head or destroy the brain. But uh... I,
0: I think that there wouldn't be most zombie movies without the Romero the Romero zombie movies, because uh, you, you said, you know, there's, there's the rage movies and the slow moving zombies. Well, those are Romero zombies. Mm. And your next evolution from that was, uh, the night of 28 el- days later. The well, life, well, the no, film. uh, return of the living dead
1: oh, totally because
0: clear. that's the genesis of where zombies eat brains come from. Yeah. Because that's never brought up in yeah, Romero not, zombie never, films. Yeah. They, they just, they, eat, they, they eat, eat flesh. Food. Yeah. They eat flesh. But the whole, brains, we need brains, that comes from Return of the Living Dead, which is also a terrific movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an interesting story in that. Uh, John Russo, who co I guess he co-produced or maybe wrote Night of the Living Dead with Romero, um, that movie came out. They didn't copyright it, mm-hmm. um, so it's fell into public domain, which is great because now everybody can exploit the fuck out of it for their, <laughs> own, for their own gain. But... Um, when uh, splitting their rights, they, they came up with the idea, like, okay, Romero, you'll own Of the Dead, and Russo will own Of the Living Dead. So, Return to the Living Dead is a sequel to Night of the Living Dead, but in the terms of, well, you, you know that movie Night of the Living Dead? Well, here's a story about what happened after it, if they made a movie about something that actually happened. <laughs> so, it's its own side series. And Dawn of the Dead has its own side series too. It's called, uh, Zombie, Zombie 2. Um, because in Europe, uh, Dawn of the Dead is just called Zombie. So, when you're referring to Zombie, it's actually Zombie 2. And there is no Zombie 2 because then it, the sequel is Zombie 3. It's all fucking confusing. <laughs> just all over the place. Uh, let's get back on track. Uh, the character of Steel. He's one of my, one of my, Personal favorites, um, played by How- uh, Gary Howard Clark. He uh he was an Olympic weightlifter. I mean, this dude was one of like the strongest men on the planet at one point, and uh, he's he's had a pretty interesting connection to uh
1: to the acting world um as as well. What else are you supposed to do once you once you get that swole? You got to start acting, or well, I mean, I he's Will you work out more and like. I don't... Well, I mean I like, I
0: I guess you either keep keep weightlifting or you uh, you find other means of revenue. You become Arnold Schwarzenegger.
1: Well you just coast on the last thirty years of what you did he swole wise. He uh he actually has uh quite a decent filmography.
0: Yeah. Um well he's also in some stinkers too. He was in Steel with Shaq. <laughs> Terrible fucking movie. But he was in some good movies. He was in Trading Places with Dan Aykroyd, so there's one direct connection to Ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh he was in 3 Men and a Baby, which is a really good mm-hmm. movie. A uh, Big with Tom Hanks, Pink Cadillac with Clint Eastwood, Quick Change with Bill Murray, so there is another direct connection to uh to Ghostbusters. Hackers and uh, Cadillac Man with uh, Robin Williams. Uh, it's pretty cool uh, a vast, from a vast amount of of work. Yeah, I mean like when you look at it like the people he got to I don't know how many of these people he was actually on screen with, but he got to be in the same movie with X, y, and Z of some of the the more popular yeah. actors of all time. so that's pretty cool uh he he wanted his his character is a straight up asshole Now he's a soldier he's he's doing what he's told, but all the soldiers are kind of pent up and you can tell they have just this, this aggression they want to get out. But when it came time to do his death scene, which we'll see later on in the movie, he wanted his his character to have a little bit of a, a sort of redemption. Like there's something more to him. So he came up with the idea of his character having a a cross necklace, like a because he was a Catholic. Yeah. So when he's getting killed, like he, he reaches into his shirt and he pulls it and holds his holds his crucifix. It's a little, it's a little detail, but I, I like the sort of the commentary that like even good people can do bad things.
1: Yeah, bad and, people can do bad and things, ba- and become it, good people. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like
0: there, it's there's it's a big redemption story. Yeah, I mean he, I think he, he's fearing he's like, well, I'm gonna die. Jesus, take me into your loving bosom, as as I ascend to heaven, eaten by zombies. <laughs>
1: There's 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 better ways to go out, I guess, but if you want well, go out, that's a that's a noble way. eaten more, by zombies. One of
0: the uh, interesting plot points it's never really fully explored in Dawn of the Dead. It's basically just a throwaway line, but the Ken Faris character says, "When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth." Mm-hmm. The impl- implication being is like this is the end of times, you know the biblical end of times yeah um where do you where do you stand in in this like is the existence of zombies in in film mm. is that a reflection of a the, the Christian one. idea of of hell the and the dead revi- rising from the earth is is there a biological reason? They're not dying, or they're not staying dead. Like, what's your take on that?
1: I mean, every story has its own has own basis. Some of them, I guess you could you could say are are religious. You know, some are some are the physical, but it just depends on the undertones of the movie. It's well, just... and even though like Night of the Living Dead,
0: Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead are mm-hmm. supposed to be in continuity with each other, they're each separate
1: stories. I never really touch on on any of
0: that. Well, it's just there in Night of the Living Dead. It's never expressly stated, but the reason the dead are, are returning from the grave is because a satellite has crashed, mm. and I guess the radioactivity somehow has reanimated them. Mm. Um, but, in Dawn of the Dead, they make the point to say, well... It's religious. It Well, they, but that's his viewpoint. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily explore that, but I think that's an interesting... Point of debate, if nothing else. Uh, especially considering, like, you have these different types. Now, you're the scientists, more than likely, probably not God fearing, probably, you know, all oh, hell, the mighty Adam, you know, um, they're not Adam, not Adam as in Adam and Eve, but yeah, Adam, A T O M. So I, 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 I mean, like movies that sort of ask questions, even if they don't answer them. I, I mean, I'm a huge David Lynch fan, and he's never answered a question ever. It's nothing but mystery. So, t- having these sort of philosophical things thrown in with, in between your blood and guts, to me, only strengthens the rewatchability of a movie like this.
1: Yeah. I mean, they touched on it in the Ghostbusters. They were, they were discussing why these ghosts were, you know, attacking the city and all this. So, Raid, you, know, you believe in God? So, yeah, never met him. So it, it comes it comes down to you know there, there's got to be a reason for everything happening I like jesus's style <laughs> what's the what's the why is this happening everybody's looking for a reason why instead of gives them something to hope for so they can figure out if there's a problem they can solve it well it, so. the by this point
0: in the the living dead timeline, the whole world has gone to complete shit yeah there's these resistance cells, basically of like we're the major cities have sort of become like wastelands, and then there are these little outposts of like people held up. Mm. And in Dawn of the Dead, it was still like a manageable thing. And even though, like, uh, this movie is sort of an isolated scope, aside from the very beginning where you see them uh, flying around the helicopter, the implication being is that everywhere else is just as bad. The, there's nothing but. There's nowhere to go well humanity the, humanity is not top of the food chain anymore yeah and to me that only brings up other other the, questions the fight of for like, existence well if we as humanity if we were presented by a new dominant species
1: mm.
0: how would we reflect on how we treat other
1: species say aliens came to Earth and we were well, like... Well, not necessarily. No I'm just saying like, say
0: it. say like, uh, there's a new evolution of human. Mm-hmm. Like mutant. Right. You know what I mean? And like suddenly, we are to them what cows are to us. Now listen, I, I am an unabashed meat eater. And I'm not going to be those people that's going to get all butt hurt because you, you eat bacon. Eat all the fucking bacon you want. You earned that shit. But if you were presented with a situation where... You are the bacon.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> How would you reflect on your eating habits?
1: I mean, if pigs started attacking us or trying to let revolt against us, I don't know what I would do, but all in all, it's it's fight for survival, especially in a zombie movie. You either, you kill or be killed. And when it comes to that. Yeah, I mean, but my, my, yeah. but look,
0: look at it in terms of, we, because we are the alpha species on the planet, mm-hmm. we have this like ingrained entitlement that our survival is more important than everybody than everybody else's to be put in the exact same situation. but the flip side, it makes you reflect on things, and that's one of the aspects of this movie when I was watching it the other day that really stood out more so than it had in the past. Like I said, uh, Rhodes and, um, and Dr. Logan, mm-hmm. they, they both want the same things. they just, they want different. Different paths. Different paths. They, they want, they ultimately, they want to be safe. It's different paths to redemption. One, one is we want to kill everything because we are the dominant species. Mm. But they're not. The dominant species now is the walking dead. Dr. Yeah. Logan wants to survive by domestication, but at the same time he's doing these really inhumane uh, experiments on these dead bodies in terms of trying to learn how to domesticate these things that are, by all accounts now, our superior. Hmm. The ethical jumbling of algebra you have to do to really quantify all this is astronomical. So, Everybody is right and everybody is wrong. Mm-hmm. I like this because it's more reflective of how reality is than, like, this person's bad, this person's good, and good conquers evil. Um The middle survives. And if that isn't a analogy for how our country is right now like the middle <laughs> strive for the middle because that's the only common ground we all have like when you stray to the right so far to the right or to the left it, like you, you pick a side yeah like yeah I see, I see, pick pick that. humanity and yeah, i'm gonna get a whole uh diatribe about politics and stuff but it's inherent in in romero's work of uh, uh society and, and politics uh, are sort of intertwined in everyday living, whether you He wants you to side with, with both sides, but well, then he, in yourself. You're he's he's making you empathize with their reasoning, but ultimately he gives you these point of reference characters who ultimately are the ones who survive because they knew when to be aggressive and and mm. and when to be, you know, more Soft, soft. That's not. The, it's not the Ritz. word I'm looking for. But, but, uh, but sure. The Ritz. This, uh, <laughs> this gentleman right here, who is a dead fucking ringer for Mr. Bean, is he not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You will never be able to see this movie ever again without that coming to mind.
1: Honestly, I thought this was like uh, I drugged up Tom Skerritt when I, when he first showed up. Dude, Tom Skerritt is. Not did, like I mean, Tom. If, Scare- if Tom, if Tom Scare- did, did meth for like yeah, five okay. years straight, and then like showed up. Yes, if, Tom, if, if he were
0: totally methed out, maybe just maybe he would get to this uh, this point. But no, Mister Bean was what what jumped out at me. I even made like a a big, big uh, star against that when I wrote my notes. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna butcher this guy's name. It's Jarleth Conroy. Um. He plays McDermott. He's he's sort of like the token alcoholic. That's how he deals with the problems. Like you know, the world's going to shit. Well, I'm going drink, to drink,
1: drink, zombies, drink, power one out.
0: That's drink. truthfully. Uh, that's probably how I would deal with it. Because if I'm going to get killed, I want to. I want. I want to be a Just little eating
1: Chips Ahoy, you're like, man. Zombies are here. Well, Chips Ahoy.
0: Yeah, Chips Ahoy. I love you. Send me some cookies. Uh, Jack Daniels. Big fan <laughs> of your product as well. <laughs> sounds terrible Jack Daniels and cookies they're going to make a cookie flavored jack and you're going to be all on it do you think that there's, there's got to be like a like a chocolate <laughs> a chocolate, chocolate chip uh, oh. liqueur of some kind out there I, i'm sure there's got to be a baileys uh, there's a chocolate beer but sounds disgusting yeah i'm not a not a big yeah anyways um Jarleth conroy uh he was in heaven's Jarleth. gate uh Directed by Michael Cimino. Mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest bombs of all time. It's also heralded in its unrated cut uh, as one of the best movies ever made. Michael Cimino also did uh, The Deer Hunter. You ever seen The Robert Deer Hero. Hunter? That's
1: yeah. that's a great movie. It's one of those like good script movies. Like, there's not a lot going on, but there's a lot of good conversation. It's but okay. That whole first
0: like third of that movie is nothing but like, let's make you love these characters. Now let's throw them into Vietnam yeah. and when shit goes bad, you feel for them. And then your third act is like, how do we pull our lives back together? Um, but he, he was in he was in that. Great movie. He was also in Kenzie, uh, which is uh, the movie uh, about the, the sex therapist.
1: Never seen it. Never oh, God. What's that? his name?
0: Um the guy from Taken. Liam Neeson. Oh. Liam Neeson's in it. Uh, John Lithgow. Huh. It's a really, really good movie. Uh, he also played uh, Aiden O'Malley in GTA 4.
1: All right. so, so he's, he's <laughs> still, video still, games still what?
0: working. He was in the True Grit remake. Um, really, really good movie. Uh, the uh, gentleman uh, here, our other moral center, is uh, Terry Alexander. He plays John. His accent is 100% fake. <laughs> And you couldn't tell that I know I did realize that that and I did research to, to to confirm it because I'm like man he sounds just like how um, uh, Kofi Kingston used to sound when, when he first debuted in the <laughs> WWE Jamaican it's like hey man I'm going down by the beach like come <laughs> on dude you're you are making that shit up. But you know their their whole exit strategy is to get to the beach, so they needed his his soulful Caribbean ways to kind of you know paint the picture. Control the
1: ocean, like what? <laughs> yeah he he had a he had a few point uh, a few. Uh, Why is it in all these movies that's their goal is to get to water? Like Dawn of the Dead, their goal is to get to the boat so they can you know I get the same point, but that's oh yeah, well, that's the, that's the
0: that Dawn of the Dead remake.
1: I was oh, the re- sorry, yeah the remake. But that's directed good. by
0: Zack Snyder, who who that is one of two decent movies he's made. Everything else has been complete bullshit. <laughs> it's not that they wanted to get to water. They wanted to get to an island so there, that nothing could get to them. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the smartest idea. strategy. Yeah,
1: like continuing, uh, continuing thought, hey, let's get to an island. Yeah,
0: I mean, but. listen, I'm not a fan of water. I fucking hate water. When I was 13, I went to... I went to camp and I got stuck on a, a raft and then the raft left me. So I got stuck on a rock and it started raining and I sat on a rock in the rain for like a couple hours waiting for people to come back, uh, wondering if I was going to die or not. Oh my God. So fuck water. Uh, so I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be. A- a fan of going to a, an island in the middle of nowhere, plus I don't like sunlight. I want a place dark, <laughs> you dark want a, and dry. A dark
1: cave somewhere <laughs> in that island in the middle of nowhere no with a bunch of Jamaicans. Nope. With fake accents. Nope. Put me, uh, put me in, De- in Detroit. <laughs>
0: I like, uh, under the provision of RoboCop. <laughs>
1: yeah, Alright, we'll make sure if that happens when the Dude, zombie apocalypse says we'll just do, send you to, do to you, Detroit.
0: Uh, do you think that zombies could handle RoboCop? <laughs>
1: No, no, I, I don't. I do not believe. Okay. They can. Well, I
0: tell you right now. Let's make that movie. Okay. Uh, a Robo-Cop. robot,
1: a, a ro- half robot, half human versus like zombies. Uh, the robot can't become a zombie regardless. He has a jetpack and a machine gun hand. I, I, since we're on, he the subject wins. A vampire. Say a vampire like attacks a zombie, and like. You know, gets blood in his system or drinks a zombie's blood. Does the vampire become a zombie or does the zombie become a vampire? The,
0: I, I think it's uh, if if the vampire bite, if, if, if a vampire bites a zombie, yeah. that zombie becomes a zombie vampire. <laughs> if a zombie bites a vampire, that vampire becomes a vampire zombie. But
1: he has the blood of the infected blood of the zombie in his system of biting him. Does he not himself become infected and become a zombie vampire? I'm only, sorry, vampire only, zombie?
0: only if he swallows. Only if he wants to.
1: He's. Like, I'm not feeling it today. I'll, I'll be a zombie next week. <laughs> <laughs> when it, man, how, how ineffective of a zombie would you be if you couldn't go out in daylight? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, but you could turn to bats so and now you're a flying bat zombie. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: it's, this needs to be a movie. I'm telling you, like, and it's nothing you but you not just only being want like blood, but swarms. you also want brains
1: now. So like is it your lust for blood or brains gonna be greater?
0: Oh my god. You know, Swarm like, swarms
1: of blood sucking
0: <laughs> brains. Uh the the gentleman in the in the lab coat in um in this scene, uh, his character name is mustache. Is yeah, is mustache. <laughs> That's um that's Fisher. He's played by John Amplis. Does
1: always have blood on it. Like everything he has is blood stained. Well, like, you don't have a pair of nice clothes that you wear every once in a while.
0: I'm pretty sure it's probably hard to launder your clothes in the zombie apocalypse. Um, they're they're lucky for their clothes to be as clean as they are.
1: <laughs> so we haven't bathed in eight years, but it's all good,
0: dude. And it's a it's there's like one woman here. <laughs> women women traditionally, I don't get a lot of shit for this, but traditionally are, are the ones who do the laundry. Uh-huh. I, I'm not saying that... I'm just saying men do not like to do laundry. I, I would rather be beat by a cat of nine tails than do laundry. So, they're expecting her to do all the laundry for them. So, so of course, their laundry is not going to be as uh, bright and... Uh, uh, Lustrous as it could be. Anyways, um, Fisher—he um, was in a in a few of Romero's movies. He was in Martin, Dawn of the Dead, Night Riders. Uh, he was also uh, the corpse in Father's Day. All right, you know, uh, well, in Creep Show, the the segment, yeah, the the zombie that wants uh,
1: my cake <laughs> for you to get credit as a corpse. That's. That's a good acting role right there. Well, I
0: mean, that, to me, that's one of the, the more iconic zombies of all time. And it, it's funny that he's in Day of the Dead, one of the most iconic zombie movies of all time. But he plays an iconic zombie in another movie, which mm-hmm. just happens to be directed by George Romero. How do you feel about Creepshow? Have you ever seen I,
1: Creepshow? I've seen some of them. Like, some of the parts of them. like God, Creep, like creep like An show anthology is, type. So Creepshow yeah. is perfect. I was always like a uh, Tales from the Crypt kind of... That's I, well, it's I,
0: funny I, you mention that I've because... Seen, like, Creepshow was supposed to be a Tales from the Crypt movie. Yeah. And they couldn't get Everything. the licensing to call it Tales from the Crypt. Now, later on, Romero did um, Tales from the Dark Side, the TV show, and it was supposed to be a Creepshow TV show, but they couldn't secure the rights to the name Creepshow. See, <laughs> this is fucking domino effect of, like, shit is not working out for us. <laughs> uh, we have our character of Bub, um, which arguably is the most recognizable on-screen zombie of all time. He's played by Shower, uh, Sherman, I can't talk, Sherman Howard. And, uh, he's got such a sympathetic face. I think if this had been cast differently, I I don't think this would nearly have the impact that it does. I found my, I found myself watching this the other day um, like enamored with his performance because it's it's strange to find like the the character that exuberant uh, exuberance that's not the word I'm looking for what's the word I'm looking for exhibits yeah, that exhibits exhibit. the most humanity by definition is not human.
1: He's trying to teach these zombies how to read like that's. Well,
0: just, by the way, he's reading a copy of Salem's Lot. It's a little in-joke, because George Romero and Stephen King were, were friends. They collaborated on Creepshow. Yeah. But, but I, I, I think that in science fiction, especially, more so than horror, there are these, these great parallels that we draw with characters that are inhuman mm-hmm. when they exceed their programming or like Data in Star Trek The Next yeah. Generation my all time favorite show Data his pursuit of existence is to become more human it's something he can never achieve yet he tries he tries and it's that pursuit of humanity that, that makes him in, in some regards more human than everybody than else than hum-
1: humanity trying to be but, human
0: like humans don't try to be human well yeah and, and because our human nature sometimes is is to be cold and distant, mm. and bub is sort of reflective of that like he's so sympathetic and it's these simple things of him recognizing a book or or later on when he he gets the uh the music you know and it's these little moments, and Romero was a genius at giving these traits to to characters who I mean, like, I guess on paper, I mean, you you we view it view this as humans as like the zombies are are the enemy, but they're really in this movie they're not. Uh, Rhodes is very clearly painted as the as the enemy. So uh, there's a thing. Uh, EC comics are
1: like a like an antihero type compared in, to in Rhodes. a sense, yeah.
0: yeah. I, I, EC Comics, uh, which did Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror and all mm-hmm. that, they, they coined this uh, phrase called Just Desserts. <laughs> uh, it, and being that, like, sort of like, it's the comic book equivalent of karma. What goes around comes around. Mm-hmm. Everybody who does something bad is going to get their, quote-unquote, Just Desserts. Bub. Who right here recognizes as we're seeing it right here, literally on screen, uh, he's recognizing that Rhodes is a military man, mm. so he's saluting him. Rhodes will not salute him back, so Bub takes this as a sign of disrespect. Disrespect, <laughs> disrespect yeah. because as you would find out, there's actually a comic book adaptation, uh, a prequel of Day of the Dead, and you find out that Bub was a a military man. So I mean, there's there's a this sort of this like lingering memory of hey I served mm-hmm. I'm showing you respect and because Rhodes will not do the same to him uh, it's he set up this is sort of this like check like... this is Chekhov's gun they're introducing something right now that's going to pay off later so Rhodes is going to get his just reser- just as he he's decided
1: that because he okay he, he picked his bitch he picked his bitch <laughs> he said he. <laughs> Indeed, I, I don't know that I would have phrased it that
0: way. So that, that's my
1: bitch, like. But yeah, you, you know, but so, see oh, here, oh. Earlier,
0: he's, he pulls the gun on him because he's like, you didn't fucking salute me, a hole. That's all he wanted. Well, but if you look at it, like he's just I've never wanted, seen a zombie hold a gun before. <laughs> like, he he just wanted to be acknowledged as his existence acknowledged, mm. but. Rhodes doesn't view him as anything as an other than he yeah he doesn't even view him or, as uh as, as human is human, and that's where the question the questions like I said before they're not clear cut answers, but to a- to ask the question like if this zombie, Bub, can it go beyond his primal nature, mm. is it morally justified to eradicate an entire species of something.
1: If they could be relearned how to how to how to be human well why would you kill them all? But
0: but at the same time are we asking them to go against their very nature to accomplish mm-hmm. this? There's just so many interesting questions that are arisen in this movie. Yeah. And it's not done in such a ham
1: fisted way. So, That's sort of my so this isn't one of the, the gory like, let's just go out and and murder. This is more of a. Let's see what kind of. This is oh, more well, the science the, aspect of of, the, of zombies. The third the I third act of this that. movie is going to get oh, yeah, beyond you know bloody. Normally, it's, the whole movie's like that with a zombie movie. Now, this is more of a. Let's kind of like break it down and see what. So it makes me tick. So, uh, speaking of which, there there, there are
0: thirty six kills in this movie. Alright. Um, averaged out, that's one point three six kills per minute. Right. That's that's almost. A half a, a half a dead body a minute. Just Probably. just think about that. Which, if you average that out, it makes it to to a kill, two kills. T- t- I don't know. I'm not good at <laughs> math. <laughs> that's,
1: that's beside the point. Okay, just, but like, side note: why does why do all these guys look Cuban? Like it's because they're like in Florida. I don't understand. Like, do they all look Cuban? Oh, I thought the one guy was Dom DeLuise for a minute. <laughs> You'll know. Would I'm that make this movie not. more enjoyable? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't and yes.
0: Louise! I'll be good with it. And um, fucking <laughs> like, bandit uh, shows up. That's uh, shit, no, not bandit. Uh, what was his name in uh, Cannonball Run? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I fuck, I, I, I'm talking about Bert Burt Reynolds. Reynolds. Just say
1: Burt Reynolds. That's Burt Reynolds play in every movie. Oh. rest in peace, Mister Reynolds. Out oh, there, see,
0: the, uh, he got his his throat ripped out. Well. Um, Best, we have a human. another one of our uh, our principal characters. His name is Rickles. Uh, I wrote the note that like he looks like Steel, but he isn't.
1: <laughs> there we go again. <laughs> <laughs> I he looks like Tom Savini, but he's not. <laughs> he looks like Rickles, but he's not. He's um, still a ninja star. Another guy. I just realized something. I think
0: earlier when I was talking about uh, Steel, I said he was in the movie Steel. And no, he's not. Uh, he, his name is Steel. I just wrote down um, that uh, Steel and I misread that. So I apologize. So uh, for all you who want to hate tweet me that like, blah, 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 Gary Howard Clark was not in the movie Steel. Well, fuck you. <laughs> he wasn't, but he wanted him to be. I got, I got that wrong. Um, but Rickles, uh, he was in Tales from the Dark Side of the movie. Uh, he was also in The Babe with uh, John Goodman, the the movie about the horse? Babe Ruth. Oh, pretty good, pretty good movie. I, you was, know, I'm you, I'm you not, not a pick
1: huge worst person to play Babe Ruth, and oh, he was uh, fucking dead on. I
0: love John Goodman. John Goodman is great in anything. He's national in. Treasure, out right there. I'm not a big baseball fan, but I have a thing for baseball movies. There's just something about the. I, seriously, have you ever the seen Sandlot? Well, I mean, everybody <laughs> likes a Sandlot. Yeah. Have you have you ever seen Cobb? No, Tommy Lee Jones? About Ty Cobb. About Ty Cobb. That movie is terrific. Um, I, I highly recommend... If you just like good drama... Um, it's actually a really funny movie, too. If you like Tommy Lee Jones, it's... You know, you're gonna get a classic Tommy Lee Jones uh, performance out of that. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Greg Nicotero. Greg Nicotero, who, as we said, had a small role as Johnson in this movie... Has become probably the most well known uh, special effects artist. He's now in charge of the special effects for The Walking Dead. Yes. But when you look at, like, pound for pound, like, he may be the most recognizable uh, special effects artist of all time. And when you look at, like, the history of great special effects artists, like, from, you know, Dick Smith and. Tom Savini, that's, that's a pretty tall order, but like movie for movie, mm-hmm. he's worked on so much. So, alright, get ready for it, cause this list is long. <clears throat> okay. Alright. Well, let me sit down. Alright. Alright, alright, alright. Evil Dead 2. An Army of Darkness, Creepshow 2, Phantasm 2, Monkey Shines, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Bride animator Halloween 5, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Lord of Illusions, uh, From Dusk Till Dawn, One, Two, Three, 2, uh, Vampire in Brooklyn, Spawn, uh, John Carpenter's Vampires, The Green Mile, Unbreakable, Mulholland Drive, directed by, uh, fucking, uh, David Lynch. Great fucking movie. Uh, Vanilla Sky. Kill Bill 1 and 2. Amityville Horror, the remake. Um, Sin City, Minority Report. Ghost of Mars, John Carpenter's worst movie. Uh, Spy Kids 1 and 2. The Cell, House on Hunt Hill, the remake. Wishmaster, Scream 1 and 2. In the Mouth of Madness, one of John Carpenter's uh, least sucky movies. From uh, from the latter part of his career. Uh West Craven's New Mike My- Nightmare, Pulp Fiction, Ticks, Maniac Cop Three, People Under the Stairs, Misery, Tales from the Fucking Dark Side, Inglorious Bastards, <laughs> Django and Chain, Land of the Dead, Drag Me to Hell, and The Hills Have Eyes remake. Motherfuck. That's not even the tip of the iceberg of the shit he's worked on. That's just the genre things he's worked on. He works on non- everything. Non-horror. Like everything mainstream can be uh, which was, you know, Kurtzman, Howard Kurtzman, uh, or uh, God, uh, it's Howard Berger. What is Kurtzman's first name? Nicotero. Anyway, anyways, uh, these three guys came together, and they all had their roots mm. in these low budget, uh, you know, Sam Raimi and George Romero movies, and they've built an empire of special effects. That's commendable in any regard that you go from nothing to the A list of special effects. I can't I can't stress enough how incredible it is, and I've never I've never had the chance to meet Greg Nicotero, but by all
1: accounts, he's really down to earth and nice. I was like literally as close as I am to you as Greg to Greg Nicotero. Really, I was at a comedy. F- I met Norman Reedus. I was at a comedy festi- festival in Georgia. Me and Jennifer went to a, com- a comedy festival. I go to get these little hamburgers. I enjoy little hamburgers, that's why. Sliders. Sliders. So I, I go to get these sliders, and I'm walking back. And, I- and I'm-, I'm walking, I look in front of me, and there's these two guys with really long hair. And I'm like, dude, this guy looks just like Norman Reedus, who plays Daryl in The Walking Days and the Boondock Saints.
0: Yeah, fuck Norman Reedus. His face <laughs> bothers me. And Continue. Uh,
1: Coolest dude, coolest fucking celebrity I've ever met, Norman Reedus. Oh, I'm
0: sure he's cool. I'm just and shitting. I,
1: and I walk up, and I'm like, I kind of I walk up next to him. Greg and is there talking to somebody, and I look at Norman, I go, dude, you're Norman Reedus. And he's like, yeah, man. And I was like, I was like dude, I just want to shake your hand. He's holding a beer, so he, he puts his beer in his other hand, he wipes his hand off, and he shakes my hand. And I'm like, that's cool. He's like, hey, let's go see some comedy. And he pats me on the shoulder. Coolest fucking slip I've ever met. Um,
0: when you shook his hand, did you give him the mega powers handshake?
1: No, I shook his hand and like it was firm but like loving. It was like it was a nice <laughs> handshake. What did he
0: like? Did he use his middle finger and kind of tickle your
1: palm? It was, it was like, like what do like Teenage men, Newt Mentor, like yeah, like totally radical. You know, like you switch your no, but it was it was it was a firm. <laughs> I love
0: the, I love that you're showing me the gesture as if know, the people yeah, the listening people can, can, see can see it.
1: But. Greg Nicotero looked over at me, and he was in a conversation. I didn't say, "Oh, did you do Greg-? you know?" I didn't, I didn't like jump over because again, I wasn't really. In, I'm not really the, the biggest. I don't really care. Like if I hadn't have seen The Walking Dead, well, I listen, I, know what I, he
0: looked like. I hate the character of Daryl, but well, Norman, but Norman Reedus is cool in my book. I was I, just I've heard he's like really before. cool
1: to his fans, and like somebody like sent him a dog, and he kept it and <laughs> bunch bunches. <of, laughs> but coolest I've ever met, Norman Reedus, hands down. Sit- Send him sent, a, sent him a dog and he him kept a dog. It. Yeah, they, they kept it. But yeah, no joke, I meant... Wow. I is. Okay, right, that's yeah, they, strange. They didn't but... have to pay for it either. Which is usually... <laughs> usually, yeah, <laughs> paid meet celebrities, but cool dude. Oh, I, I misunderstood what you were
0: saying. I thought you were saying like he didn't have to pay to keep that dog. And I'm no, like, no, What the no, fuck has no. that I'd got go to, to do like, with anything? You go to a,
1: like a con or something, you have to, uh, yeah, usually you have to pay to... To go up and get you an know, autograph or talk to him, and the bigger ones like that—that's
0: uh, cool. You have a weird tendency of meeting celebrities. Well, I was, it
1: was a, like, Aziz Ansari was at the. It was. It was just it was Aziz Ansari. Like that was his comedy fest. It was really odd, but it, it's good. Good. good, well, good but, yeah,
0: but I'm saying like you. You have a tendency of meeting people. You met yeah, Andy no, yeah. Milonakis just out Mil- of the <laughs> no.
1: middle. Andy no. Milonakis. No. Yeah, I met the. Uh, I met Flyleaf one time. Who the fuck is that? They're a band that you don't know of. I have no clue. Who they that have is. a song called "Brandon Doesn't Know Us." <laughs> but okay, you know was, if they okay. didn't. I met uh, Dave from Storage Wars. Yep, yeah, that guy. Oh fuck that guy! Yeah. No, I'm not he even was joking the, about he was this. He's at the Chili Cook-Off. and I was like, "Did you, Dave?" And he's like, "Yeah." I was like, "All right, cool." <laughs> he, just, he did not give me the time of day. Um, yeah, that guy. <laughs> it's, fuck that guy. These are people I've met like outside of in, in the real world. Like, like I didn't pay to see these people. Like,
0: oh, I would hope you wouldn't pay to see the guy from no, Storage no. Wars. I,
1: I didn't like. Oh, dude, that's the guy from Storage. But nobody believes me either, because like I would just like I would joke, dude, like, "Dude, Bill Cosby's out here." Back to Bill Cosby, I know. But oh. Was a guy I used to work with in the kitchen, and I would always be like, "Dude, Alfonso Rivera's outside," and he'd freak no, out. No, 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 he would run no, out. And I did it no, for you too. No. All right, all
0: right. <laughs> Judd knows. Judd knows. <laughs> He's a
1: Silver Spoon fan.
0: No, Judd knows how big a Ghostbusters fan I am, but I don't think he realized that Alfonso <laughs> Rivera was an extreme Ghostbusters. So we're at work, and he radios up to me. He's like, "Dude, Alfonso Riviera's down here," and I got really fucking excited. Like, "Oh shit, man!" He I'm rushes like, He's,
1: down. Yeah,
0: I, yeah, and I should have known. <laughs> everything that comes out of your mouth is fucking
1: bullshit lies. You lie to me on a consistent basis. I didn't know you would like just stop everything. <laughs> okay, it's come down there. Like... A
0: few, a few years prior to this. Um, where, where I work, you know, full-time, year-round haunted house. Next to us, there is a car museum, like famous cars. They have the Echo one they have the Batmobile. And fucking David Bowie and his wife go in there. Well, I'm a huge David Bowie fan. Yeah. I could not get down there. Scott, fat fuck Scott, saw him go in, saw him go out. That's one of my greatest regrets in life. Is it's like, I did not get to meet David Bowie, and now he's dead. And unless the fucking
1: dead rise from the grave... We touched on this last episode. <laughs> Come back from the... We could have a, a Ouija board, what would he say? Oh. But, <laughs> damn. That's... Damn, damn, damn.
0: Alright. Um, At the top of this episode... Uh, you we were lucky enough to have the participation from a gentleman who's actually in this movie. Now, pinpointing where he's at is just about impossible because mm-hmm. he he's a zombie, Mister Jim O'Rear. Thank you, Jim. We we're big fans of yours. Uh, I've met Jim so many times at conventions. Uh, he used to live in Nashville. I think he actually lives in Florida now. he always posted on Facebook, you know, pictures of Disney and stuff. That's beside the point. But, uh, I want to give the rundown on this guy's accomplishments. Uh, you know, on paper, this guy has lived a hundred lifetimes of, uh, of awesomeness and where he hasn't maybe got like a lot of mainstream acting roles. He has participated in a lot of awesome things. Of, uh, I'll go down his directing history because some f- uh, friends of ours uh, with ties uh, to this podcast actually have uh, worked with him. Uh, first and foremost, uh, he directed a movie called The Deepening, which had Gunnar Hansen. Uh, it was a Leatherface in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, I actually attended the premiere of this movie, it was in Murfreesboro. And uh all I can say is I see Jim O'Rear's ass in this movie and uh that was not desired or wanted in any regard. So, Jim, uh, keep your pants on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the movie I want to talk about that he, that he directed is a movie called Fat Chance. Now, if you look for it under the name Fat Chance, you're probably not going to find it. However, if you have the stream, uh, streaming app Tubi, you can find it under the name Camp Massacre. Camp Massacre... A good friend of mine and a friend of the podcast, Matt Scott of Von Graham Productions, he actually worked on the uh, special effects for this movie. Mm-hmm. Fat Chance. Uh, the gimmick is that it's sort of like Friday the Thirteenth, but instead of like it being a camp, like a regular camp, it's a it's a fat camp. So it's like it's heavy. <laughs> it's it's like heavyweights, but horrible but with a slasher. All right. Um. Do you know who Brie Olson is? Uh think so brie olsen um was the porn star that charlie sheen oh, had a thing okay. with okay, he's the one that called she he yeah, called yeah, goddess yeah. right before he <laughs> got the the aids yeah. unfortunately um brie olsen is in this movie and she's a staunch vegetarian well oh. matt of von grimm productions uh check them out on social media uh one of the scenes she's taking a very sensual shower for no reason um And she gets Inviscerated So they It was Matt's job To like hurl Like Actual (laughs) Actual cow innards At her And Of course Because she's a vegetarian She got sick And threw up And they're staying In a hotel together And they're kind of Out in like the The common area And she just looked at him And was like
1: I don't like you anymore (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that I thought that was A really cool story There goes his chance To be close to Charlie Sheen Like that's The closest Uh, he'd ever be
0: Yeah I would much rather be close to her than Charlie Sheen, and that's not because of his diseases or anything. She's uh, she's a very attractive uh, lady. I I, I, I lady in no way night. I in no way could please her with the <laughs> equipment that I have that she's accustomed to. But I would very much like to try. Uh, Al Snow, the professional wrestler, uh, he's yeah. he's in that movie. He's really fucking funny. Um, if if you have the time to spare, uh, track this movie down. Uh, I, I think. Uh, it could be benefited from a little editing. It's like two hours, a little over two hours long. I think it could be probably edited down to an hour and a half, and not lose you know, any, any of the of the of the content that's really important to it. But I just wanted to give a shout out because that you know let's, let's support these independent uh, independent films. What Jim O'Rear is probably not. I guess most known for, but, uh, his most extensive, uh, work in Hollywood was doing stunts. He did, uh, Cocoon, uh, with Wilfred Brimley.
1: <laughs> Diabetes.
0: Diabetes. Um, he did Invasion USA with Chuck fucking Norris. Mm. So there's your, there's your another connection that both Tom Savini and, um, uh,
1: Jim O'Rear worked on the same movie We started a website called Facial Hair and it's like they connect actors and <laughs> some actresses by their facial hair
0: I don't really know what that has to do with this right now but they sure they both have facial hair they both have, both have boom, facial hair boom there you go there's the okay. website alright Jim keep that facial hair we want you to uh, be keep front taking, and center for this keep stuff keep
1: taking your ass out in every movie Brandon sees for this website um <laughs>
0: Uh, he was in Cyborg with, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. No, re- no retreat, no surrender, part three. Oh. Um, no retreat, no surrender, part one is one of the most hilariously ridiculous movies ever. Mm-hmm. Jean-Claude Van Damme is actually in that movie. Um, but it's about this guy who it, he's, he, he learns to become a kickboxer, but he's trained by the ghost of fucking Bruce Lee.
1: <laughs> what?
0: Yeah. It's got one of the most hilarious, um. Is it supposed to be funny? I, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't really know. I just. They had to know this movie was going to come off funny, but there's there's a scene where they're doing. It's like a montage and they're cleaning up a uh, scene. Mm. That's some of the funniest shit I've ever seen. So track down. <laughs> no retreat. No surrender. The first one. I haven't seen part three, but Jim is in it. Okay. Um, he was in Psycho for the beginning with uh, mm. the great Anthony Perkins. Uh, uh for a. Made for television movie. Well, it wasn't made for television. It was made for Showtime. Mm-hmm. Showtime is a little above that. Um, really good sequel. Those, All those Psycho sequels are actually surprisingly good. Uh, he's in the Swamp Thing TV show. He was in Lethal Weapon 3, Cop and a Half, with uh, Burt Reynolds. He did some episodes of Thunder in Paradise with Hulk Hogan. He always comes back to the Hulkster. To the Hulkster. And he also did some stuff for Mortal Kombat Conquest, the TV show. Um I watched that TV show a lot because it used to come on after WCW Nitro on TNT when I was in my formative years.
1: <laughs> okay. So yeah, there you go. You're meshable. But um, yeah, he
0: uh he did stunts, some stunts for those movies. And uh he also acted in quite a few things. He acted in Thunder and Paradise. He plays like a bum on the uh, on the beach. He was in Vampire Wars with Robert England. So there's your Freddy Krueger connection. Uh, Blueberry uh, I can't talk Blue Valley Songbird with Dolly Parton so he's got some local ties which is pretty cool Heliphone which is a movie I actually know uh, I don't know them like close relations but I've I've met these guys several times at conventions Um, uh, did Heliphone so that movie it's sort of I guess similar premise to 976 Evil but yeah I think the title is funny so that's why I included it (laughs) but he was also in thong girl 3 and 4. So an adult film? No, no, I No, okay. it's a, it's a, a woman that wears a thong and it's kind of like you remember stri- 3 and 4? Remember yeah, th- <laughs> part 3 and 4. Um, you remember um, you remember Stripperella? Uh, oh yeah, I know you
1: talk about it. Yeah. It's kind
0: of like Stripperella. Uh, Jim oh. Jim has won some awards. Uh, he won best actor at the B-movie awards in 2011 for um a movie called Dead Matter. He won Best Supporting Actor in a Feature Film in 2016 for I gotta get this title just right. Paranormalist, like paranormal
1: paranormalist.
0: Mm, it's hard to pronounce. Paranormal and malice. Put those words together, and that's one. Paranormalist. 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 <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna do a couple more uh, little uh, trivia things, and then we're gonna get to our questions, which we have. Quite a few, and just as always, they get pretty fucking off the rails. Bees? <laughs> All right, this movie was uh, produced by Richard Rubenstein. Richard Rubenstein was a long-time collaborator with Romero. Um, he he's done a lot of a lot of big, you know, big movies. But he he also produced Pet Cemetery, San, uh, The Stand, Thinner. Uh, so he. He kind of kind of rode the line in between Romero and Stephen King during that time when they were they were both sort of at the the height of their powers. He also had small acting roles in Creepshow, uh, Night Night Riders, and Martin. I know I've mentioned Night Riders a couple of times. You ever heard of Night Riders? Not not the TV show Night no, Riders. Never heard. No. Night Riders is a medieval jousting movie about. Motorcycle riders, like they what? they 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 joust each other with motorcycles, with motorcycles, but they're dressed like knights. Th- Ed Harris, it's I'm one not, of Ed Harris's first movies. I'm not gonna say it's stupid, but what exactly? <laughs> like, it sounds. It sounds horns. so stupid, but you'll watch it and be like, eh, "That was actually pretty good." It, it, it's got
1: kind of a Mad Max kind of feel to it, but it—I it, don't know—it's it, it's not
0: Mad Max. <laughs> no, no, it's—it's it's not of that quality. <laughs> I'm gonna
1: give it a shot because it's got Ed Harris in it. But dude, I fucking I love have Ed, Ed Harris. Harris in it. I was done. Going,
0: okay. Going back to Creep Show, which is—it's not talk about Romero. It's always gonna go back to Creep Show. Ed Harris has a role in that Father's Day segment, mm-hmm. and. I invite everybody go right now. Go to YouTube, type in Ed Harris Creep Show Dance Scene, and shout out once again to Matt Scott of uh, Von Grimm Productions. Do you remember when uh, Maroon Five had that "Moves Like Jagger" song out? Yeah. That fucking terrible song. Well, it became a running joke. With with Matt instead of moves like Jagger's, I like got I got the moves like Ed Harris, got the moves like <laughs> Ed Harris, got the moves. So every time I see this movie now, that's, that that is ingrained in me. So I, I can't help but like laugh. It's
1: Ed Harris it's Saturday Night light, Saturday Night Fever. Dude, his dancing
0: is on. It's on fleek. Is that what
1: the kids say? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Oh, you're you're younger than I'm me. Getting, I'm, I'm getting older even... than at the point where I'm not with what's not, what's what's fresh. <laughs> You know, like pH fresh. Wait, no, that's that's an old saying, isn't it? For Perf- uh. per- 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 fresh,
0: the the zombie extras in this movie, and I actually uh, confirmed this with Jim uh, because in the past, you know, and and trust me, it's a mistake we're going to make continually because when you're doing research for things, uh, there's so much information out there that some of it is bound to be either wholly created, made up, or the details are misconstrued. But I, I, I try and make an effort to make sure everything I say on here is, is accurate. Authentic. Authentic. Authentication. Um, but he confirmed this. So this is 100% true. The extras on this movie were paid $1. They received a hat that read, I was a zombie in Day of the Dead, and they were fed. <laughs> you have to look at it in terms of the people of that area wanting to be they wanted to be in this movie so of course this being a low budget film they're going to take advantage of the opportunity Man. to use the masses that just are you know they want to do it to do it I, I'm i going to actually get in touch um, with with Jim after this I should have asked him this beforehand We'll see if he actually still has that hat. If he does, we'll see if he can uh, get us a picture of it. We'll put it on. We'll put it on Twitter. Which you can follow us at Rants Black Lodge. All right, that pretty much uh, takes care of uh, everything I've got to say about this movie. Um, but we have a lot of questions that are going to throw this whole situation off the rails, and hopefully, we'll be able to get to all of them because we're coming pretty close to the end of this film. First question comes from Fat Tony. What's your take on the improving
1: makeup effects as the series went on? You want to tackle that, Judd? The series effects of, of this? Yeah, the makeup Of the effects. Dead franchise? I mean, it, it obviously got better as technology got better and as as more modern times approached us. I mean, compared to 1968 to, you know, 1985, of course it's going to be a lot better makeup and, and effects and stuff like that. Do uh, do you think that makes the movie better? Like yeah. uh, it makes the movie better to a point that you don't get too technical with it. If everything's CGI, then it loses its it's, its
0: Well, obviously everything done in this well, movie was, is is, is practical real, effects. But
1: at, like and nowadays if, if if everything is CGI, then you just lose that that effect of of realism and and it goes with it. To me, like horror movies, especially
0: ones that are Effects heavy, it's like it's like a joke. You have the setup, and then you have the punchline. Well, if you if you don't have the gore and the effects to complement the setup, the joke f- falls flat. Mm. So, when I've taken everything into consideration about you know the 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 height of the the effects in this movie, mixed with story and all the things we've we've covered during the course of talking about this, I I, I before watching it, I, I probably would have said "Don of the Dead" was my favorite. Excuse me, I've got the hiccups. Um, but now I'm going to make an about face. I, I think this is the best of the bunch, and uh, I think Romero uh, would agree with me. He stated on many occasions this was his uh, favorite of the of the Dead films. All right, next question. This comes from Aaron Brady. If Day of the Dead had been better received critically and had made more at the box office, would there have been a sequel earlier than Day of the Dead? I'm going to handle this one. Uh, Romero, at one point, had wanted to do Twilight of the Dead. And unfortunately, because of the situation they they found themselves in uh, financially, this movie not making as much money, it prevented that from happening. Now they eventually did make Land of the Dead. that was a studio movie, and the studio's fingerprints are all over it. I don't dislike Land of the Dead because uh-huh. um, it, it does carry many of the the same ideas. You have the character of Big Daddy who is sort of like the the succession of the character of Bub who leads a zombie revolt uh-huh. on you know this corrupt society and who doesn't fucking love Dennis Hopper I know we, I mentioned Dennis Hopper almost every time we do the podcast, but' Rest in peace. But yes, rest in peace. But he's he's so good in it.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. There's, this is the only scene I've ever seen: one, a nipple be bitten off, and two, a clown zombie. I think it's actually and maybe the maybe, maybe
0: the first time there was ever a clown zombie on film. If I'm incorrect in that, please uh, cite your. I saw
1: one in Zombieland, but other than that, this is the only clown zombie
0: <laughs> I've ever seen. I fucking hate clowns, but it's nice. It's nice to, and that's that's a. Uh, George Romero's gallows humor because <laughs> even though like these are horror movies, yeah. he always would interject little little moments of levity. Because um, he just attention. He, he liked to break Golly. attention. Well, he's a big fan of the the EC comics, and they always had mm-hmm. sort of a you know a little laugh uh, mixed in with the with the screams. Yeah. All right, um, so Aaron, I hope that answered your question. Um, Eric Mason asked. Aside from the original trilogy, what's your favorite of the later Romero zombie movies? Um, fuck, I I'll be honest with you, uh, it's probably Land of the Dead, and that's not necessarily because it's it's a great film. Diary Diary of the Dead is well intentioned, but it it's it I fa- found footage movies were passe by that point, and it's too cinematic to be good and grounded in a believable sense and it's too cheap looking to be a good cinematic movie so it's Mm -hmm. kind of in that muddy area survival of the dead i have to say like it was for a movie that kind of flew over the radar uh story-wise it's pretty good i mean it's kind of like a modern take on the hatfields and the mccoys um but as a zombie movie it it didn't really lend much uh to the the zeitgeist of zombie cinema so I'll I'll go with Land of the Dead. And I'm going to make this comment just because I've been sitting on this for for a fucking while and I don't know if we'll ever do Land of the Dead on here. Uh John Leguizamo stars in that movie. Yep. You know what? John Leguizamo what, I, I can't talk. John Leguizamo is called when he becomes a zombie? Uh John Leguizamo. Oh, <laughs> so stupid, right? <laughs> I thought this is a real uh, thing. I, was like, I don't know. All right. Uh, this comes from Allison Hunt. Uh, shout out to Allison. She's uh, one of our longtime listeners. In the modern political climate in, of this film, <coughs> or in this film, is it more relevant now than it was when it was released? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And zombies? Bet? Well, just I mean, like the the things I talked about before. The allegories you can make about uh, the you. Know, Building the wall and uh, class distinction, and these are these are all things that you know we're probably sick and tired of hearing blasted twenty four seven on the news. But elite elitism, yeah, I mean, but it's that's something that's actually really uh, torn apart shoot. in Land of the Dead. But there, it's it's very evident that Romero, whether it be knowingly or unknowingly, kind of stumbled onto these themes as we see this great effect. Now, as his head gets ripped back, his vocal uh, scream is pitched higher, and that was basically a little joke when they were editing, uh-huh. but I think that's a nice little touch, because, I mean, if you're getting stretched, your vocal cords are going to stretch, and you're going to get that little... Yeah. Ah! Awesome. <laughs> awesome effect. Okay, uh, Alison Hunt asked, once again, uh, who, if any, from the cast of Day of the Dead should have had a bigger career in the movie business. Well, I kind of stated before Lori Cardell, she she's really good. I I think she could have been I I know a lot of B movie actors like when they, they kind of break through, they end up being on T V shows. I mean that wouldn't have been a bad thing cuz the 80s was the the decade of the sitcom, but I think she was capable of way more than that. I, I would I could have seen her in the same light as you know, Sybil Shepherd and people like that. I think she could have had a a decent a decent enough career. So it's the great what if. Great what if. Um this isn't uh well, it is a question and I'm not going to read this person's name. Um uh, I, I post a question when I, I do this periodically, not only in our group but in other groups, just to get outside
1: Opinion. questions
0: and stuff. Um, and the, this the this question was so poorly phrased um, that it I could I could not help but read it on here. <clears throat> and I'm going to read it as it's written, not how it was intended. <laughs> okay, George Romeo was supposed directed Resident Evil. How come? He didn't. Why? Well, person whose name I'm not going to name, uh, George Romero did write the a script for Resident Evil uh, that was very much based in the video game. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, uh, Universal decided they did not. I guess it was it Universal that released those. I think so. Um, they decided that they did not want to go that route. So that's how we ended up with alice and a bunch of movies that have things about them there's that clown again um things about resident evil but don't really amount to n- nothing but now we have uh, a full-on reboot coming and it's supposed to be grounded a little more in that i know that'll make a lot of video game players
1: happy did you play resident evil um, no i never got into resident evil Play James Bond like the Golden Eye when it came out in '64, but other than that, I don't know.
0: I don't know what that has to do with uh, the other. But that Golden was a great game. The first couple of Resident Evil games are are classics, and going back and trying to play them now, the the fucking controls are garbage. Yeah. But man, the, those games were terrific. So here you see still He's he's getting his um. His, uh, Just, just Desserts. desserts. <laughs> okay, um, another long-time listener. Ben Hopkins. Is this, is the Of the Dead movies, the best horror movie trilogy of all time? If not, what is? When I was thinking about this, the the only other great horror movie trilogy that came to mind is the Evil Dead trilogy... Um, and I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to give it to that. I think the, the Living Dead trilogy probably more important in terms of like filmmaking and just like cinema in general. But those Evil Dead movies, in addition to the fact that I have a attachment yeah. to the first movie being directed in my hometown, filmed in my hometown, but those are. Nearly perfect movies. They're just enjoyable, and Part Two and Part Three skew a little more on the comedy than they do on horror. But I mean, what do you, what do you think, Judd? I mean, like is
1: is the Night of the Living Dead trilogy the the greatest horror trilogy of all time? I mean, being a trilogy, does it have to? I mean, it has to end with three. There can't be more in the series. Okay, or well, I mean, uh, originally. Uh, there's you not know, a lot of just trilogies then. Uh, originally, the, just,
0: this was a trilogy, yeah. and then they released Land of the Dead, but then Romero sort of retroactively made Land of the Dead, Dire of the Dead, and uh, Survival of the Dead its own trilogy. Yeah. So even though they exist in the same world, it's kind of like how like the, the Star Wars There's trilogy key, is in... Th- they're, 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 in yeah, There are three...
1: I it's mean yeah, zombie zombies in its own thing. Yeah, this is this is I would say be the best trilogy in the horror franchise. There's not a lot of them, but it just it just you pick and choose what you like. If you like zombies then yeah, if not if you don't like zombies then you may not pick this as your greatest horror trilogy. It I mean, just depends it, on what you like. For me
0: it's it's hard. It's really hard because there, there are so many great uh horror movies just in general, but it's hard to find a trilogy where like all three movies are good, or really just uh, a series of horror movies where there are only three movies. And I guess maybe you make the point that this isn't even one of them. They
1: all, they always do three, and then they'll reboot it, or they'll do a prequel, or it'll it'll be something. something. There's always a fourth movie when a trilogy happens.
0: Ah, Toy Story, <laughs> Toy Story, Toy Story. Where the fuck are they going Toy with Toy Story 12? I'm, I'm I'm interested to see. So Bub is uh he's he's uh. He's uh, he's doing a murder. He's uh chasing down <laughs> Rhodes. Rhodes coming up when he finally does get ripped apart in one of the the greatest kills in a movie ever. He does have this badass redemptive moment. Like not so much in like he redeems himself as a human being, but he does get like the last laugh and he mm. te- he declares the zombies to choke on him, as in his guts. Well, this question comes from Honky Tonk Matt, a.k.a. Matt Scott of, of Von Grimm Productions. Did the zombies ever choke on it? <laughs> so
1: what do you think? Can a zombie get choked? I don't think they have a gag reflex. So How, well, what, why do you, what do you base that on? I mean, a zombie can get shot, so obviously it's normal functions do that they're not there. Like pain as well most likely we we there, s- earlier we saw bub yeah. and he was salivating yeah
0: salivation right, is well, is to is to lubricate your throat for you know a Oh so, yeah reasons. i guess
1: they could they could choke yeah if he skipped it they could salivate then yeah i'd say
0: i love this this first shot right? that's that's great and he gets shot so i mean there there's your just desserts wonderful wonderful
1: and he, <laughs> salutes,
0: he salutes him
1: Yeah. <laughs> he got his. Bitch. That, that's the
0: that's the ultimate. Well, fuck you, dude. But Rhodes has to get his last words in, as he's going to say, "Just choke on him.
1: I Honestly, thought he's going to like look into the gun and go off or something. That'd be the end of Bub. Um, that sad turn of events. You're
0: you're uh you're probably that's a great effect. That's so good. His legs. Here he comes. Uh.
1: <laughs>
0: that's so good um this question comes from our good friend legendary uh international wrestling sensation mr danny rainbows danny and rainbows. uh judd um uh, you you may be able to answer this question firsthand what's the deal with judd's mom like where does the line start to get up in them guts <laughs> what that's my mother that's the one who birthed me. Would you would you not be opposed of legendary wrestling superstar, Danny Rainbow's Look, if I'm... having relations with your mother?
1: I, am I getting a little brother out of it? Sure. Then yes, I'm cool with it. Okay. Like, I'm a little, well there
0: little you go. Alright, Danny. The uh, the line starts wherever you fucking want it to. Out of any
1: of y'all, Danny Rainbows. Uh
0: ra- <laughs> <laughs> D- hey, hey, Danny! When you hear this, DM DM us on uh, on Twitter, and uh, I'll give you uh, the hook up on that.
1: <laughs> He'll give me my mom's phone number. Yeah. Is that what you like? Yeah. All
0: right, this is this is a serious question for um for Danny. Uh, what are your 2019 New Year's resolutions? Do you
1: have any, Judd? Uh, yeah. Uh... I'm gonna start working out. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get swole. And I'm gonna start doing movies. So you can beat the shit out of Danny Rainbow? So Already fucked your mom? I don't know. He is. He is the best. I don't know if I can. If I can actually beat him, but I'm not gonna call him daddy. <laughs> not even if there's a fire. Not even if there's a fire. Um. My my
0: 2019 resolutions are are pretty simple. I I want uh by this time next year for us to have at least two thousand members in the group. Five million. Five million. Yes. Five, five million. million views. that's a little unrealistic but I think we can get to 2,000 people in the group alright, this comes from Brent Fox if zombies diets consist of only brains what is the average IQ of a zombie bowel movement? well, not to shit on your idea of shitting uh, Brent, but as I've stated earlier in the podcast if you were listening, uh, Return of the Living Dead is the one who popularized the idea of zombies eating brains, not the Living Dead trilogy so your question is bullshit much like you're inferring what would you think is the IQ of a of a of a turd? I don't know what what is is that. Are you are you inferring that there are Wait. chunks of brain in their shit? Do zombies shit?
1: I guess it depends on what you can com- compare, like a brain, like what's the IQ of a turd. <laughs> what's what's dumber than a turd? Like what do you compare a turd to? <laughs> Compared to a fly? I mean, fly's fly's genius, right? Like, oh my god, I, just, I, I would assume that shit just like it, it doesn't. It just slides out, like it just. Well, zombies zombies are always have shit in their pants. Zombies
0: have (laughs) they have to shit because I mean, if they're intaking
1: food, it's got to go somewhere. Yeah, I mean, is their body still processing it? They can salivate, they can choke, then I'd say yeah, but I don't think they're gonna go and and drop a load just in a in a bathroom (laughs) somewhere. All right, we got good.
0: we got we got a few we got a couple more questions. We're gonna, uh we're gonna power through these, even though we're in our uh, closing credits of the movie. Um, this comes from Titty Flippin' Travis, and here here we get really weird. Do zombies even really need dicks slash vaginas? Oh, do what? they do they pee and poop? Well, we just covered that so they they have to poop, but
1: do do they pee? Do zombies pee? If they poop, they pee. I mean, you got to. It, oh, well, like I, mean, I said, they don't our, intentionally pee. It probably just comes like, But, I mean, they're, they're not taking in liquid. Oh, no, they, they have to. They take in blood, I guess. Well, I guess, yeah, blood. And
0: there's, I mean, flesh is like, you know, so much percent water. So, they, yeah, I guess they, so they, they have to pee. Why
1: is why, why is this, a, like, all these cool-ass questions we can get asked and it's like, the zombie shit, what's the IQ of a turd? Like, I like, do, well...
0: <laughs> Uh, troll's gonna troll, man. I'm, I'm
1: thankful for the questions, but like, what well, the t- fuck? Titty
0: flipping, Travis. Uh, that's this is his his hallmark. His he, mom never called me back either. His mom
1: never. Yeah, called I called
0: him. his mom. She never. Oh, uh, I talked to his mom last night. I mean, not really, but like on on headset playing uh, God, I really playing did. on PlayStation.
1: I really did talk. Does he live with his mom?
0: Maybe.
1: She's on his head, so he's got to be. She got to be in the room.
0: Well, no, I mean, like she was, uh, she was in the background. Oh, <laughs>
1: that's
0: beside the point. Oh, uh, all right. Uh, this is the next question. If a female were to kidnap and tie up a zombie and she had sex with it, would she be able to become pregnant? Do zombies produce sperm and semen?
1: I don't think so. I mean, if they're dead, I would assume that's a dead, too.
0: Now, in the Dawn of the Dead remake, yeah. there is the woman who gets impregnated, and her baby is a mm. is a zombie. Now, admittedly, it's been a long time since I've seen it, so I can't remember the circumstances of how that... If she got bit, and it affected the baby, but... I don't think
1: she fucked a zombie. No, no, no. She I mean, obvi- no, she,
0: obvi- she obviously didn't, but I'm just saying, like, uh... So there is precedent for zombie babies, but could a zombie impregnate a... Like a a non-zombie? Yeah, or or if a man had sex with a female zombie, could he fertilize her rotten zombie eggs?
1: Uh, Our
0: podcast is fucking weird.
1: (laughs) If she has eggs, I guess, yeah, but I don't know... Dude, I don't fucking know who'd be like, what would be like fucking Blade from the Blade? Like he's half vampire, half human, because like I don't understand. But it'd be like half zombie. All right, we
0: we have a couple of other questions, but I'm going to postpone those. They're not specific to Day of the Dead. I'm going to save those for another uh, another episode, probably uh, for next month. An Encino um, Man? Yes, for <laughs> Encino Man, uh, the long-awaited the uh, feature commentary. Away. Uh, speaking of which, uh, maybe by the time that this episode is out, uh, our bonus episode for Point Break will be available on the Facebook group, and you can find us on social media and uh, Facebook group, which I guess that's social media, at Rance Black Lodge, and of course you can find us at our homepage at JuicyKruger.com, and on the multitude of platforms our podcast is available, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Radio, Google Play Music, Player FM, and just about any place the podcast are available. Judd, thank you so much for filling in last minute. I think this went uh, smoother than a, uh, <laughs> a baby's bottom. It's, it's always a pleasure. Alright, we'll be back next month with another edition of the Rants from the Black Lodge podcast. See you next time, ladies and gentlemen.